It's time for Conversations with Bob and Sherry. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning. Good morning. And today I'm really excited because we're going to talk about Chris Rock. He is now my favorite comedian, <laughs> right up there with Dave Chappelle. We both watch a Netflix special. Tell us what, how you feel about the Netflix special. How you, What do you think? Very funny. There were some things that challenged me. I think he did a really good job of ruffling feathers of everyone, but that's comedy. I followed on Twitter, you know, the history of this cancel culture affecting stand-up comedy. Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld was one of the most prominent people to bring it up. He said, and it started in colleges. So stand-up comedians would often, I saw George Carlin at Slippery Rock College when I was younger. and So comedians would normally go there. Well, they were going to the colleges, kids were recording them, and then putting them on social media, clips out of context and calling them all the racists, homophobe, whatever it is. Jerry Seinfeld came out first and said, I will not play any colleges anymore. Well, it kind of progressed. It became came into the comedy clubs and, you know, so some of the comedians would require people to surrender their phones before they could come into the show. And it was really the conservative comedians that started complaining vocally about it. I, in particular, Rob Schneider, Adam Carolla. But it really didn't seem to have a big impact until the more liberal left, you know, comedians like Dave Chappelle took the mantle. So I think a Dave Chappelle and, a, you know, Chris Rock have much more influence over the culture. So it's kind of refreshing to see. I mean, and one of one of the things that's encouraging to me about it is, is you have uh, comedians on both sides of the political spectrum working together to solve a common problem. And it's great. I mean, I think the I actually think the problem is solved and comedy's better than ever. And it's probably the, the one most powerful vehicle to put a stop to some of the ridiculousness that's going on. Well, this was a much anticipated Netflix special because this is a year after Chris Rock got punched out by Will Smith at the at the Oscar. Right. Right. Um, he reportedly Chris Rock signed a 40 million dollar deal with Netflix and for two comedy specials. So mm -hmm. that comedy special is worth $20 million. Um, a lot of people expected him to talk about Will Smith, but he didn't say that till the very end. Right. And I always felt like I watched Dave Chappelle's Netflix special, Stick and Stones, and then I watched this one. I love the title, Selective Outrage. And mm -hmm. he actually touched upon so many issues, so many issues that is so sensitive and people are not able to talk about and right. they are so articulate and so artfully presented and made a funny mm -hmm. one of the issue i think on the top of the list oh. is abortion right and did you um, notice with comedy with stand-up comedy you're not really sure where the seriousness ends and the joke begins ends, like yeah. i saw rob schneider's recent tour and he cracked a joke about his daughter had COVID. She tested positive for COVID while he was going to see meet Paul McCartney, okay. old, the old guy, Sir Paul. And Sir he Paul. the whole joke was about how he basically exposed Paul McCartney to COVID via his daughter. You know, and of course, Paul's in a high risk category and everything. And so afterwards, he let us pose with pictures. And I said, you didn't really do that, did you? He said, I didn't really expose him, but a lot of that story was true. So, 
you know, again, it, it's just, you know, and it, when he told the joke, he acted like he didn't really care. He was so selfish. He just really wanted to meet Paul McCartney. He didn't care that he, you know, might kill Paul. <laughs> but so you don't know. I mean, and that's what real good stand-up comedy is. You kind of are not sure where the line is between what they really are serious about and what they're joking about. Yeah, that's the reason I wanted to uh, talk about the first... T- I want to break up like four sections, maybe okay. more, about the, the show. Um, first of all, I like Chris Rock, but never really listened to any of his stand-ups. And this one really has gained a lot... I gained a lot of respect for him for just being bold and brave. And he talked about the topic of abortion and same thing with Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. And what's really funny, he said, hey, I'm pro-life because I have two daughters. I'm certainly pro-their lives because it, he's got two beautiful daughters. And right. I, I'm also pro-choice because, you know, I have two beautiful daughters. I want them to do whatever they want to do with their body. So he said... Well, I just want to tell you, people didn't watch a Netflix show. Don't listen to this conversation, by the way. Yeah, yeah, there's spoilers here. Dave Chappelle told the same joke almost identically. But Yeah, he said, you women have the right to kill babies, right? (laughs) He said, let's put it. He said, let's say it what it is in the first trimester, third trimester. And then I love when he said, you can kill the baby till he's four years old. Right, right. He took it to the extreme then. But yeah. what was funny about it is he kind of led, he just kept affirming pro-choice from all different angles. And the crowd was, you know, generating enthusiasm and clapping and they really were going with them. And, and then he threw out the, you know, but of course, you know, it's killing a baby. You are, in fact, killing a baby, but I'm pro-choice. And the crowd just went dead silent. <laughs> And the same exact thing happened with Chappelle. <laughs> well, then he was saying how kids are, they're mean, they're this. And 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 the interesting thing is... I love that. By yeah. the way, if I don't... I, I felt like I was the only person to challenge the um, Nelson Mandela and then Barack Obama statement that babies are not born... Or children are not born racist. They have to be taught. I've been saying, oh, you know, from the beginning, that's false. That's 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 complete misunderstanding of you know human behavior. And yeah, I mean, it was it was felt good for me to hear him saying that. Well, you know, in China, there's a there's a two th- uh, philosopher, right? Confucius and Laozi. Confucius always a human are born kind, and then Laozi was born. Laozi say human are born you know, with unkindness and evilness built in in them. And that's pretty much what Chris Rock was saying. He said, we never right. taught Lola to bite somebody, but where did she get that from, right? It's, <laughs> it's aggressiveness. It's just her, her personality. In reality, I mean, based on the Christian belief system, we're all sinners. Based on our observation of history and human behavior, people are tribal. People are more comfortable with people like them. And, you know, vice versa. You see the Chinese community, they, they all kind of congregate together. You know, people, immigrants from China, they have something in common. They're familiar and, you know, they feel different around other people. And everyone is like that. So it's just natural to be more trusting of people that are like you, look like you feel. And it's a subconscious human thing. So, you know, that's where racism begins. I actually have a good clip. It's uh, about 54 seconds of uh, Jordan Peterson speaking on this topic, and he puts it perfectly. So I'm going to play that. Okay. 
You know, a lot of the things that the radical left are pointing out are in some sense universal human failings. And so they have that truth about them, I mean, because we could ask ourselves, um, given the implicit tendency for human beings to have a pronounced in-group preference, and the potential we have for violence against out-group members, how do we all address our proclivity to damn yeah. the foreigner? Okay, that's a really important question. Mm. And I then, feel like I've got a good, I've got a good answer. Okay, to let, let me add this the one, the one end to that. And then the next thing okay. is, well, we all have these proclivities. How are they exacerbated by, by power and privilege? Right? Those are good questions. But as soon as we make it instantly racist, well, then we can't even yes. ask the damn questions properly anymore. Well, another thing, I think it is also from a point of view, so when human beings naturally gravitate towards things that's visually pleasing to them, right? So mm -hmm. if you think about, I remember my son was 10 months old. I mean, he couldn't talk. No one taught him anything. We had um, two group of people come and visit. So this one group is one of my husband's friend, and he married a very young girl, and she's beautiful. And now, remind you, my son has never met any of these people before. So when this young, pretty girl reached out to him and tried to hold him, he has no problem. He reached out his arm, was very, you know, very welcoming for the hug and the attention. And then another older lady came, you know, came in. And she's not as attractive as she's in her 50s. And she tried to reach out to my son. I mean, again, they, he never met any of these people. And he turned away and came to me. So it's like, you know, what made a, what made a difference? Because one girl was younger and more attractive. The other mm -hmm. one's older and not as attractive. No one taught him that. We were just as welcoming to our guests. So right. I think... There's a naturally human being, there's natural things that we gravitate towards. We have a self, some kind of self-defense mechanism. And that was one thing I thought that was great. He put it out. He's, he did take it to extreme. You can kill your baby till you're four. Right. If that's the case, if I birth a child, does that give me the right to do whatever I want to do with this kid up to a point, right? Where, where's, where are we drawing the line? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, he was obviously joking, but I think he was trying to illustrate that point. Where do you draw the line? I think that what Chris Rock did and Dave Chappelle did is I think they did respect to both sides of the mm -hmm. uh, abortion debate. I still say I think Republicans need to figure out their position on it. I think the fundamental thing about the abortion issue is I don't remember when I was growing up people talk about abortion at all and my you know among the teenage girls okay mm -hmm. no one talk about the abortion issue because there are not too many girls get pregnant before they get married right good so, point so there's a fundamental value system we're not teaching it has nothing mm -hmm. to do with the abortion you should teach safe sex or you know don't have sex before you get married or worry you we have so much work to do. We were so challenged intellectually and we got so many things to worry about. The last thing we're worried about is dating. Yeah. We tried to get a guy because to, to you, it was more important to have a good, you know, good education to, for your future. I think that basic value system has to happen, mm -hmm. you know, before you preach anything else. If you make things very easy for people, 
to get pregnant before they get married and you have all these subsidies and and take you know take the men out of the equation right and what you you you're not you're really encouraging it that's what i'm trying to say yeah well, and yeah, conservatives would say that making abortion easier and legal is just going to increase abortions. When they first leaked the Dobbs decision before the decision came out, if you, you know, I followed it and there were uh, men, you know, white liberal men, liberal men who they came out and said, we're getting a vasectomy. We don't ever want to have children. So we're going to protest this by getting a vasectomy. And I was like, that's the point. <laughs> Good. Get a vasectomy. If you know you don't want to have kids and you're out there acting irresponsibly, get a vasectomy. And then there were women who said, I'm not going to have sex with any men because of this on my protest. And I was like, that's exactly what conservatives want. <laughs> Good. Well, who are you upsetting with this? <laughs> you said a very big word, right? Responsibility. Right. Not enough people. The the current The culture it's not teaching people to be responsible. Right. It's not teaching people how what a miracle life is to mm -hmm. produce a child, how not everybody can produce a healthy child, right? Yep. The process is not that simple. So the, 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 the value to life and the responsibility, those are the two things are not being emphasized so that people say, oh, I, can, I want to get an abortion anytime I want. And one of the funny part in Chris Rock's comedy is he said, if a woman have to pay for their own abortion, then do get an abortion. Yeah. Yep. Because he's saying, and he made the uh, joke about if you want you want to recognize a good neighborhood, go there in middle of the day during the week. And if you see women pushing baby carriage, you know you're in a good neighborhood. If you go into the neighborhood and you see men hanging out middle of the week, middle of the day, you're in a bad neighborhood. So he pretty much is saying that men willing to work and take care of their families determines a lot of economic and, I guess, social issues. So, in other words... It's good for a man to take responsibility and raise his family and be with his family. And it's not good when a man refuses to do that. That's what he was saying. Well, that's very clear. If you go yep. to a, a neighborhood in uh, North Park, right, a neighborhood, all you see is women with yoga pants, walking yep. their dogs, working their kids and driving their kids around, be home waiting for landscaper, whatever people to show up. Then you, then you go all the way to Braddock. That's all you see is men hanging around, right? Yeah. Poverty. Um, so, yeah, well, that I thought that was a great point he made. As it far is. As, we, yeah. we as a culture have to get past this idea that to say something like that that's absolutely true is somehow hurtful to someone else. I mean, we keep lowering the bar on intelligence and on, you know, right and wrong and good and bad to, because we don't want to offend anyone. And it's just, it's harmful and it makes us stupid. It really makes our entire, you know, society dumb because we can't talk about things that are obvious and true. Yeah. And I'll give you a perfect example. I had this conversation with a gentleman yesterday. His uh, father is 93 years old. He showed me a picture of his dad. And right away, I said, well, your father must be in the military just by seeing the haircut. We're talking about how men used to be tough, right? 15 years ago, you never hear men say, you hurt my, my feelings hurt. Um, I feel offended. 
men are building tough. I mean, they're hiding their emotion. Right. They keep their emotion to themselves. They, they tough things out. I'm like, <laughs> this whole thing about being my feelings being hurt. That's that's me. That's women. I feel like that's being taken away from women. Now women have to act tough and worry about men's feeling. Like it's completely switched. We've 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 in schools and in society focused so much on elevating girls that now boys are insecure and you know they're weak. <laughs> I mean, when you compare the, the overall, and I'm not picking on any one person, but when you compare the the younger group of people. You know, now compared to in the past, they're they're weak. They can't handle, you know, stress and hardship and things like generations before. Now that doesn't mean they won't as they get older, but they're going to struggle at an older age, which is going to be much much more difficult than if they had struggled at a younger age. But the weaker men are being embraced. Yes, like this whole victimhood mentality are being embraced. That's what and brought it to another point Chris Rock was talking about. There are four type of people today, right? Because America, he said, Americans do not have an opioid addition. We have an attention addition. Right. So, you know, one of the easiest way to get the attention is being a victim. He, he mentioned four things. I think the third one was, uh, the second one was infamous. You go do a school shooting or whatnot, all right. of a sudden famous. Yeah. I don't know what the first one was. But the third one was excellent. He said, like Serena Williams, right? He's a, she's a great tennis player. She said, but being excellent takes work. You have to get up in the morning. You have mm -hmm. to watch, you You know, where you, you have to exercise. You have to work. So that's too hard. It's so easier you, to be a victim. It's easier to be a victim. So Elevate now, your status by being a victim. Right. So people crying out for attention. Now they want to be the victim class. So everybody go poor you. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? That feeling lasts for a few days. And then I, I have a friend that, um, you know, she is like that. She's constantly crying, either poor or she didn't have enough. And, uh, you know, so the attention gets to her. And when that attention goes away, she'll figure something else out to get people's attention by playing the victim. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then her kid's going to learn from that, right? continue to play the Vintup game and right. it's not a good it's not a good culture to um and then recently there was a guy working at the you know at my husband's restaurant and i mentioned before new year i brought him in i said look you can't be on the phone all the time i said this is not your job is not to be on the phone you need to pay attention to this and that he was so offended by me telling him that this is a 30 year old man. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's like, Oh, I just have to go. You made me, you, you really shook me. I'm, I'm feeling panicking. I'm like, what? I just told you to get off the phone. Why are you panicking? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, so it, it was like, where are we going with this? If, if the generation Z and Y or whatever the alphabet is, going forward, the 20, the 30 year old men are going to be so offended, so feeling so easy to be hurt. And then you're going to have women to carry, carry it on, you know? <laughs> right. If God came down and said, you're going to suffer some serious illness, you have a choice, physical or mental, psychological. So I would choose the physical health problem. Right. Because 
you know, mental health, addiction, uh, which I know a lot about, is much, much more difficult. You know, if you have, you know, I mean, obviously you have to work on your diet if you have a heart condition or something. But let's say you break your leg. I mean, you go to a hospital, you go to a doctor, they basically fix you. You know, you have to do some therapy to get your strength back, but they pretty much fix you. If you have a mental health problem or an addiction problem, nobody can fix you but you. Right. I mean, it has you have to take the action. You have to consciously counter your subconscious mind. You have to struggle and work and you have to, you know, so it's all up to you. So this whole idea that we can't challenge them, that's only harmful to them. You know, right. So it's it's a tough love and then he right. talked about how he went to the school got his daughter kicked out of school and that was the best thing ever happened to the daughter right right she suffered embarrassment because first she just think oh she's gonna get back to the school because they're rich and they can find attorney to sue and so the daughter was entitled mm-hmm. and then when she went to the school said please kick my daughter out from the school and she have to write essay, apply for another school, and she, when she go to college, you have to explain why. And um, I love I love when um, Chris Rock said, "I'm rich, but identify as a poor person," mm-hmm. because Chris Rock wasn't born rich, right? He struggled, he made his way in life, right? And he still constantly struggles because prior to the slap or the punch. His ticket, his comedy tour, his ticket was selling for $85. Wow. And after the slap, he went up to the thousands of dollars. Wow. So essentially, he needs to thank Will Smith for doing what Will Smith did. Well, you know, you reminded me of another thing he said. He talked about his mother. When his mother was young, it was illegal for a black person to go to a white dentist. That's right. So if, if there are... Um, you know, if, if you had a, a needed a dentist and there were no black dentists in the town, you went to a veterinarian. And he said, literally, my mother was having her teeth worked on by a veterinarian because it was illegal for her to go to a real dentist. And, and you know, to say that was his mother, you know, that's just one generation ago. I mean, so he was then saying, and but I did all these things and I, you know, I made my life, you know, so he should talked about how he achieved. But it also illustrates how much progress we've made, you know, in the area of racism, which that's another thing that bothers me, that the left never wants to admit that we're moving, you know, that we're improving. I mean, <laughs> when Barack Obama, the first black president of the United States, there was a loud this doesn't mean anything it doesn't change anything it well okay it doesn't mean racism is gone but it certainly means a lot and it changes a lot too well the audience were predominantly black people in his audience in the netflix special his mother was there so he essentially says look we went from cannot go to a white dentist till my mother flies to paris once a month to have coffee with her granddaughter right okay so and and then he also talked about the the racism and the being a victim mm-hmm. he talked about Meghan markle and he said look she seems like a nice lady she hit the light skin lottery mm-hmm. and she's having all these issues she said some of them just not or racism issue some of them is a in-law issue you're a black girl going to a white family and then he said, 
What do you mean you said you don't know the royal family's races? They're the, they're the starship of racism, right? They, yep. they create imperialism. And um, I thought that was really good, too, because you, you notice everybody laughed so hard when he said the black people want to know how brown the baby is. Right. It will be. Yeah, because it affects their life. You know, a lighter right. skinned baby is going to have a, you know, and, and I've had black people tell me that within, you know, their families and groups of black people, there are sometimes resentments for people that have lighter skin because they claim they have it easier. <laughs> so, so, and then he also said, and I think it was mo mocking Meghan Markle as well. He said that, hey, I got slapped, but you're not going to see me on Gail King to cry about it. You're not going right. to see me with Oprah and cry about it. Um, instead, look at him, right? He thrived from it. Now he's doing better than he's ever been. It's almost, it's like he almost had a second career boost. Yeah, absolutely. I watched Chris Rock, mm -hmm. and then we interviewed Sean Logue. and. Right. From the interview of Sean Logue, I, I got something really significant. And I didn't realize this, but my whole mindset about a lot of these political social issues has been extremely negative. I didn't, I didn't have a positive outlook at all. Talking to him, he presented a positive outlook. And I felt I, you know, the feeling that gave me was very noticeable to me. I'm like, it's not good to always look at the negative. You know, you have to have something you're achieving and positive. And, you know, political, cultural liberalism has typically been more and more negative and conservatism more positive. And so that, to me, is one of the problems with, like, the critical race theory, which a lot of people that are embracing it don't even know that's what they're doing. It's it's inherently going after the negative. Negative. You, the America was founded on racism, which is false. If America was, it, it's just nothing good. Everything's bad. We got to destroy the entire past so that we can build a future. And that's just that's not good for society. So you know when when Chris Rock acknowledges some of the positive progress we've made, that's good. It doesn't mean you know why does everything have to be binary? We're told. You you gotta be you can't be binary about gender, but you're supposed to be binary about everything else. <laughs> yeah. You know, it Well, one of the things I think that um the reason why you were talking about why do we have to destroy everything and rebuild, everything has to be negative. Well, this is exactly the playbook, like Sean Lowe said, exact the playbook from the Chinese Communism Party during Chairman Mao. Which is based on Marxism, which people right. laugh at. People on the left laugh at. Oh, what, you don't even know what that means. Yeah, we so, do. <laughs> when Mao, the reason cultural evolution happened and they wanted to destroy all the, all the old tradition and build yep. all new. You can't build, acknowledge any good. Yeah, they topple all the... Um, they topple all the old statues and destroy the temples. And, and also what they did is the kids start rebelling at school. They were... Mm -hmm. uh, the teacher are being beat and so nothing is good. So here's right. why. Mao was struggled to hold on to his position. And in order to do that, in order for a certain fraction of the Communist Party at that time to hold on to their power, they have to create chaos. They have to create lawlessness. Right. To hold on to power. So this is a that's why this is culture where such a dangerous thing because 
you are just not only you're destroying the tradition you are, and 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 basically saying that your country is really bad because at the time when Mao took over when communism took over China a lot of the tradition still was inherited from the nationalist you know that now occupies Taiwan so they want to kind of make make sure that's completely destroyed but in the process not only it destroyed some people, 20 million people were killed, murdered, or su committed suicide. And another thing is it completely put the country back 50 years. Everybody was suffering poverty. Mm -hmm. Okay, And at the end of, you talk about mental illness, at the end of Cultural Revolution when Mao died, the whole country went into a state of just numbness. Mm-hmm. And reflecting, like, what the heck happened? How how do we treat the people, treat each other this way? Right. So, essentially, the whole country suffered. And I wish more people would really look at that Chinese Cultural Revolution and see what happened, see how people were treated. It was so bad. And... Um, I think it took a while for people to come to, I mean, Deng Xiaoping took over in 1978. China didn't wake up from all that till the 1980s, to the beginning right. of 1980s. If you think about Mao Dai in 1976, it took four to five years for the whole country to kind of wake up from a, basically a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So that's why China is such a capitalistic society. Forget about the government. Right. It's a capitalist society pushes capitalism because they know they would can never go back to the cultural revolution eras. Yeah. Now, now this country is starting. And and the great thing is the comedians are fighting back, right? Mm -hmm. the Hollywood is fighting back yep. in, a very, in a very subtle way. And these comedians, the way they weave all this. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was so artful and go back to chris rock's show he was talking about how he's raising his daughters right fencing horseback right. riding he is showing them this is what a good life look like this is what you need to do to have a good future he said i don't want my daughter to know the hood i don't want them to even know where the hood is mm -hmm. he came from the hood so he is not embracing that culture but a lot of our culture is embracing that culture right the rap music and all the hardcore rap talk about the hood the money calling women ho and that should be that shouldn't be stopped they should not be embraced right at all in order for i mean he is trying to tell his audience look you can be successful i sent my daughter to the best school i showed them the best this and the best that there's a lot of audience, I'm sure, if they can afford to go to see see um, Chris Rock, they probably do pretty well. Mm -hmm. Those tickets can't be cheap. No, for for sure. Yeah. So, so I I just I just love the whole show. I watch mm -hmm. it again, and um, you know, on on the topic of erasing history, I think that's important for everyone to keep in mind that that is how totalitarian regimes are 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 in place and things. So, like. 
the, the when the debate started with the Confederate flag, at least when I became aware of it, to me, it was harmless. You know, it was a sign of the South. It was used by the Southern rock bands when I was in high school, Leonard Skinner and Charlie Daniels. It just meant you were from the South. Uh-huh. But um, so, you know, I thought that it was I didn't agree with it. But the more I listen to people talk, not necessarily the angry thing, I'm like, well, it makes sense to me, okay, that the Confederacy was fighting to keep slavery. And if you have black people living in that town and then on the city hall, they're flying that flag like we want to go back. If that bothers them, and I can certainly understand it, I'm like, yeah, we probably should get rid of that. But I would rather it be the majority of the people agree rather than have to be like tear down statues and things like that. And rather we come kind of come together instead of it being a divisive thing. Yep. Go ahead. I don't know if you heard a press, uh, it was a press conference with Kevin McCarthy. It was at the statuary hall in Congress. What did he say? If we want to really go for it, the democratic party should change its name. Mm-hmm. Who's the one against slavery? The Democrats. Right. And he said, if you look at the statue or in the statuary hall, none of the Republican statue were taken away. Right. The first group of congressmen in Congress are Republicans. I mean, okay. there's another contradiction. The sins of the American, the country and the founders are unforgivable, right? It's a horrible racist country because they were slave owners. But yet we're going to forgive the Democrat Party. It doesn't make any sense. If you're not going to forgive the United States of America and the men who wrote the Constitution, you damn sure shouldn't be forgiven the Democrat Party. The entire struggle when I watched John Adams, which is an HBO show, it's a great show. I didn't realize this. When I watched John Adams and you go to visit Philadelphia, learn the history, the struggle of anti-slavery started before the Civil War. Is the Republican finally say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to get rid of slavery. So if we, if we are that serious, if the Democratic Party is that serious about the history, about equality, then they should come out and say, we're changing our name because our history is really bad. We're going to destroy everything that's with right. the Democratic Party. So, but the whole thing with the Democratic Party is they, they say one thing, but their policy are not good for the minorities, mm-hmm. right? And I was talking to one of the, um, I was just having this discussion with one lady. She's a black lady. She's middle aged. I said, I said, have you ever thought about, you know, with um, the, the black people were shipped to United States slavery and they were very genetically Black people are very healthy, strong. They went through a lot, right? I said, have you ever thought about after this many hundreds of years, why is it that the black population in the United States still at 17%, right? Well, 13. 13, yeah. If, if the trend is very healthy people, very strong people went through the boat coming from Africa and still survived and survived all that, why are you still at 13% population? Shouldn't the black population be at least equivalent to the white population? And now black population fall behind Hispanic population. Right. So why is that? Well, well, Hispanics have a big Catholic background. So yeah, the big family is part of their culture. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a good question. So were the black people, but then they're putting abortion clinics and everything in the black neighborhood. Yeah. And that was my question. I was like, shouldn't you, shouldn't the black community have at least 30%, 20 make a bigger impact, but they're only a 13%, but they're being used at this political football constantly. So I think what Chris Rock is saying, just be excellent, right? Do good in life. Mm-hmm. Get, get yourself poverty is more of a factor than racism <laughs> well I'll, I'll tell you the part that challenged me just for a second he said that the worst people um victims are white men and he said because they fear they're losing the culture for a second i bothered me because i said well i don't feel that way okay but mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you got to take it. It's true. There is a there is a segment of people that are acting, you know, victimized. I don't I don't necessarily think that's what the capital thing was about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's true. You know, there's a lot. There's some whining and things that go on for no reason. It's like I, I love what he said. The capital thing is basically so why should you care, black people? Because it's the white people taking their own people out. Right. <laughs> I thought that was funny. You um, know. When, when I go to a movie and there's this really bad woke stuff, it bothers me, okay? But one thing that doesn't bother me that I actually like is you see more and more movies where black people are just normal. You know, they're like yeah. everybody else. They're in normal roles. And it's not like over-the-top fake. It's real. So, yeah. you know, I mean, if you go back in time with Hollywood, and these people don't take responsibility either, but... Black people were always portrayed as this, you know, caricature of, you know, they were, you know, criminals and, you know, the bad guy, the pimps. And, you know, so white people who aren't around a lot of black people, that's that's subconsciously their perception. Yeah. Then Spike Lee, if you recall, Spike Lee came out and he did a lot of movies in the hood. So he didn't change that part of it, but he made it show those people were actually human, that they were, you know, they were just like they had cares and concerns and worries just like us. So he portrayed those people as human instead of, but it was, to me, it was Tyler Perry that made a big leap into the mainstream. I mean, he was doing, you know, just movies that were all black people, but it wasn't about being black. You know what I mean? They were just lawyers and just a regular people, family and friends, and they just happened to be black. Um, So, you know, to me that I, I like that. I think, feel like that's encouraging. And I don't put that in the category of the wokeness. I just think it's being honest and truthful about the way life is. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, I think there is some atoning needed from the past. Well, just uh, the Marvel, like Black Panther was a huge movie. That's yep. predominantly black actors and actresses from that from the culture of the African culture. It was a huge sell. It was a huge box office. And now the second Wakanda movie, I watched it. I got to tell you, I I'm, I'm not crazy about the whole uh, storyline, but uh, it was still... You know, it was still a good movie. Oh, no. Um, and the movie Avatar, right? Avatar is the same thing. It's, you know, these people, it, even though they are, you know, CGI generated people, but they all have the Afri- African feature and they're fighting for their land. And there's no wokeness to it. It's a really great movie. It's three Loved hours Avatar long. Too. It's a three hour long movie, but you don't you don't feel like you sat there for three hours to have a No, it's really it was really good. I loved it. It's a great movie. Um 
so and 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 you mentioned about mental illness and addiction issues and that type of thing and chris rock touched upon the whole thing with got slapped by will smith mm. right he's like he's a much bigger guy than me you know he said i never go to i would never audition for ali um you know that whole but the whole relationship between will smith and his wife it's really twisted, right? Essentially, Will Smith is taking out this anger mm-hmm. on Chris Rock that everybody knew his wife had a, a like. I think is a very inappropriate relationship with her son's friend. That's just right. crazy. And then she yeah. put it out there for everybody to see. Yeah, I, I didn't really follow it, but I do remember there was something about her podcast, The Red Couch. And she put him on, you know, she put him on the spot, uh, you know, talking about these things. And then then Chris Rock was alluding to something like that. So I can't speak to it because I didn't see it. But what I noticed mostly was Chris Rock's emotions. I mean, there was sadness. There was anger. You know, it was just a whole mess of emotions that he's going through over this thing still. Well, Will Smith is such just such a great actor you know to me he's like michael jackson right people did not look at will smith as this black actor he's very mainstream um it is really sad for me to see because i'm a huge will smith fan it is really sad for me to see what his wife did to him Mm -hmm. and if i was will smith i would be like goodbye you know, you publicly embarrassed me and showing up to these award shows with the friend's son and make out in front of people. And everybody mm. in the world know that's Will Smith's wife. Now, I give Will Smith a lot of credit. I'm sure they have a lot of hurt to work through. He wants to stick with his wife. I don't know because is there money issue here? Like if he divorces her, what's the split of the asset? And in recent days, Will Smith's career, you know, and I was mostly sad because Will Smith was getting the Oscar that night. It should have been a night for him to be celebrated, mm-hmm. right? He should have celebrated the night. And um, he worked so hard in his career, he's getting recognized by the Oscar. And and he's he was a comedian. Now, Oscar basically is saying recognizing as this great actor that whole thing destroyed all of it yeah now he cannot come back um in you know onto the oscar and i don't know if his wife says something to him cause him to do that but at that in that scenario won't you just take a joke and the joke wasn't even that bad right because yeah i mean if if you watch the clip she has a very negative reaction at the joke Will Smith's not looking at her. He yeah. laughed. He laughed. He had sort of a chuckle laugh. And then, he, so yes, it was her. She influenced him to do that. Yeah, which I think that is such a bad call because your husband, after all these years of hard work, is finally being recognized as this great actor. And everybody was waiting that night for Will Smith to take the stand, getting the Best Actor Award. And she, right. she ruined the whole thing. And then afterwards... She threw him under the bus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, if there's a reason for divorce, I think that's a reason. <laughs> so, and and Chris Rock was really hurt. I felt like he was keeping, you know, 
it, it was very interesting. He said, "I didn't, I didn't return him because I was raised." My yeah, mother his mother taught him, him, "Don't fight in front of white people." <laughs> Don't fight in front of, and he was holding back tears when he did the yeah. mic drop. I mean, the whole show was amazing. I was really glad to hear his perspective on that because from me, from my perspective, Chris Rock didn't come off. There was no negative to Chris Rock at all in that incident. It was all Will Smith who destroyed his image. Mm -hmm. uh, but after hearing how Chris Rock struggled with it, I think he was humiliated. I think he had to put up with a lot of people, social media and whatnot, saying, why didn't you do anything? You know, you're being a bitch. You didn't hit him back, you know, stuff like that. So he was sort of answering to that thing. So I feel bad that he had to go through that because he did not, absolutely nothing wrong. And he has no reason to feel humiliated. And it's sad that some people, a lot of people made him feel that way. Well, I was really surprised. So I thought afterwards a lot of people took Chris Rock's side and said, my God, what happened here? They um, did. Yeah. And then um, I thought it was very artful, too, because in the beginning of the show, before, after he talked about Will Smith, in the beginning he said the way to get famous is attack Dave Chappelle on stage. So, you know, he was attacked by Will Smith on stage. Right. Who was already famous. <laughs> now he's infamous. Now he's infamous. Well, I felt like it destroyed Will Smith's career. And, you know, at the end of the day, Chris Rock is laughing all the way to the bank. I mean, even even <laughs> Will Smith's apology, it just was bad. You know, he was like this mumbo jumbo you know, I mean, new age. I don't know where he was coming from with that. I mean, whoever agreed. I mean, he should have just came out and said, I did the wrong thing. I was wrong. I apologize 100 percent. No qualifiers. None of this. You know, if I offended, he should have just come out with a, a, a very firm. I am sorry. I was wrong when I did that. I should never have done that. There's no excuse for it. You know, and, and I'm sorry. Don't even offer an explanation. But uh, he didn't. It was just, you know, talking about the this and the that and the mindset. And the, it made no sense to me. And it just looked like a non-apology. Well, another thing is, you know, and at one point Chris Rock did say women has all the power, right? Mm -hmm. They look at Beyonce working at McDonald's. She probably can still grab a billionaire like Jay-Z. But if Jay-Z worked at McDonald's, he ain't going to be marrying <laughs> Beyonce. And it uh, goes back to you have Will Smith, such a powerful actor in Hollywood, probably have loads of connections. And he's under the spell of his wife that publicly cheated on him. Yeah. Right. You talk about a man going through a struggle. I mean, he probably going through some mental abuse and uh, Jada is not here to, you know, carry it. I mean, you, you, it's amazing because you do have two men here are victims of their fame and then also victims to their wives, you know, because Chris Ross said, well, last time I called a lawyer with my ex-wife, I lost my house. Uh, and, you know, and these guys, they want to be with someone, but they're afraid of dating because <clears throat> now is a woman to be with them for their money or really for... So there's a certain curse come with the fame, you know? So, I mean, uh, the the whole thing is, it really made me look at Chris Rock very differently. When he was in SNL, I didn't think he was that funny. But I got to tell you, he poured his heart and soul into the special. 
and I strongly recommend people to watch it. It 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 just fantastic. I mean, I was, I think I had tears in my eyes at the end because I was so happy for him to finally、mm. be able to come out and say something about it. He probably say the word bitch so many times, and then、uh, <laughs> how many times he said the n word too? Oh my goodness, you know. But it was just a whole the whole thing was so funny. It was great.、Mm -hmm. That's the reason I called Bob. I'm like, we need to do a show on Chris Rock. <laughs> well, I saw a story, and I, I I'm gonna spring this on you, so we'll see if it, it goes anywhere. But there's a new.、Uh, so apparently, Gen Z, there's these things happen on TikTok that become like viral trends and related to work. The the latest one, and there's the woman who actually originated it. They call it Bare Minimum Mondays. So, in order to deal with the stresses of work and everything, you know, they're, they're telling people go into work on Monday and just with the mindset, I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm just going to, you know, get through. Now, if you listen to her explanation, it's really not that bad because she blames her own. Putting stress on herself, perfectionism, and setting a high bar—you know—so she's creating her own stress. So for her, it's good, but it's actually now when you just say bare minimum Mondays, it goes out to everybody. Go, well, we shouldn't be working on Monday. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I we we take a we try to take Monday off,、um, and、uh, but the whole bare minimum Monday on a young person—that's really driving me crazy because. Well, Again, if if it was full in full context of what she said, then it would make sense for people like her who she's putting the extra pressure on herself. She's not going and saying I'm going to go in and underperform. She's、mm -hmm. saying I'm going to have lower expectations because I hurt myself by having such high expectations.、Right. But again, hashtag bare minimum Monday that that's going to become. Oh, well,、yeah. screw the man! I'm not going to do any work on Mondays. <laughs> well, and, and what about all the self care stuff, right? So, what、yeah. about people worked on Mondays? Are they going to start bare minimum Tuesdays? I mean, <laughs> well, Monday, there's been、stop. there's been some other ones like、uh, you know silent quitting, I think, and you know there's just yeah no communication. That's no no communication. People don't want to communicate anymore. Yeah, silent quitting. That hap. That probably happened in so many places. People just decide they're going to disappear. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's like a pendulum swinging. Sometimes I told I talked about the binary before. I mean, it's good that we care and focus on, you know, mental health. But I think it's gone too far. I mean, Simone Biles dropping out of the Olympics, you know, because of her mental health. I don't necessarily know that that should have been celebrated the way that it was. You know, I mean, I think she should have been treated with compassion and things like that. But you know, I think that inherently is going to be a stressful, hard thing for anyone to do. So, I mean, I think there needs to be some credit given for the people that do it, as opposed to singling her out like the hero of the whole thing for not being able to finish her, you know, Olympic commitment. Well, don't you think the more people talk about feelings, the more mental health issues people have, right? right. The more people sit there, that you need to reach deep in yourself, think about well, you can, and then talk about feelings. Marries this victimhood mentality, right? Victimizing to be celebrated. When you notice when Chris Rock said, "I'm not going to Oprah, I'm not going to Gail King," well, Meghan Markle married into a royal family, still 
and living in a $5 million mansion in Hollywood Hills. Tyler Perry's actually $60 million mansion. She claims she's the victim. Right. She lives in Buckingham Palace of the Fogo Village. Mm-hmm. She's being victimized because it's too small. You just had a, you just marry a freaking prince. And then you have um, jo- Josie Smollett, right? Right. The whole hoax, she was attacked by the mega people in the middle of Chicago, the middle of the, that two o'clock in the morning when he go get Subway, went on Gail King and cry about it, all because he thinks that could get him more pay on the, sh- on the show he was in. Mm-hmm. So you marry this whole, let's self-care feelings plus celebrating victimhood, you are going to create mental illness. Right. And now it goes to parents. Well, yeah, you're you're telling everyone to lean into it, lean into the illness instead of leaning into you know trying to get out of it. Exactly. So yeah, I want to just make sure because I you know what I said about Simone Biles. I think Simone Biles should have been treated with compassion. You know, she should have received. Tons and tons of support saying, it's okay, we support you, you've got to take care of yourself, that's great. She should not have been called a hero, okay? And she should, I, I'm not so sure she should have been called brave for that, you know? Yeah, I mean, the people, the people that are heroes and brave are the ones that stuck it out. I'm just, sorry, that's just the way it is. Yeah, stuck it out. You don't get a trophy. Stuck <laughs> it out, possible lose, lose in the Olympics, Right. stuck it out nonetheless. Right. That's part of the reason she should be praised and, you know, supported and loved on because she sacrificed a trophy for her own. But if you give her the trophy anyway, she didn't sacrifice anything. Right. So why should anybody try to perform? Yeah, that's like when, um, you know, when I you used to run, everybody in China, they, they require all the kids to run track and field. Okay. And I'm the slowest runner ever. So I, you know, it's harder for people with short legs. Yes. And I don't want, I didn't want to run, but it was a requirement. You have to, and I always run the last one. And it's like, you got to finish the race. So I put my son in cross country. He's the slowest guy. I mean, he'll walk. We're like, just finish the race. You can be the last, right? But just finish it. it. It's more of a mental challenging to finish right. it's not about winning the race it's about no. finishing the race at the end of the day so um yeah See, that's what that's what i like about distance running you really are competing against yourself right you're not competing against other people it's i'm gonna finish this long run and you know if i do it again i might try to improve my time but i don't care about people around me i don't care what they're doing yeah although you'll never find me run running at all <laughs> so i you know, i was i was watching the um you know, Jurassic Park movie, I see all these people running and then the dinosaur is chasing mm. them. And after I thought about this, I thought, you know what, if I get chased by a dinosaur, I'll be just laying down and say, just eat me because I'm not going <laughs> to. Well, I and I'm, I'm serious about the short legs. You ever had your kid and you're in a hurry to get somewhere, you're holding their hand and you're sort of speed walking yeah. and they can't keep up. And you're like, come on, keep up. If you look at their legs, their legs are going so fast because they take a small step. Every step is a small distance. So they're just, yeah. you know, their legs are going as fast as they literally can. And, you know, so it's a lot harder for them. It's a lot harder. <laughs> short legs yeah. made a difference. And I have short legs. It's definitely harder. And most of the people <laughs> on track, they have long legs. So, you know, and then that's why I went to cheerleading eventually instead of, um, <laughs> instead of running. But, 
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. We we actually dedicate a whole conversation on culture and community. This was fun. We should do this yeah. more often. I mean, if you think about it, the Chris Rock thing was just a catalyst. So, you know, his show and an entire thing. It's amazing to me how much stand-up comedy is becoming this important, you know, cultural social narrative, you know, Absolutely. to break break down problems and things. Absolutely. There's a new comedian. I, I've been watching him, and I wanted to – we can put a link on this, and I, I give this guy a lot of credit. Um, mm -hmm. Let me find him. I mean, comedy went from sort of the one-liners and the super clean, you know, and then it got, for a time there, it, it shifted over to the most obscene, offensive, shocking things you can say. That's what comedy became. And, right. you know, but now it's become this really serious, profound cultural narrative. And it's almost like it's the only place, for a while it wasn't safe to do it there, but it's the only place where it's somewhat permissible to do that. But there are still people that are going to protest like they did to Chappelle, but it's a small number. It's a small minority. I think people probably, I'm hoping people are getting really sick of, you know, um, just really sick of, you know, this wokeness and you can't say anything. This, um, there is this comedian. I, I will have to find the link and maybe while you, um, when you, when, once we finish taping, you can put the link on. So what happened is he is, uh, he's 15 years old. He started doing comedy at 15 years old. He's from Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and he said he struggled for 10 years and no one want to offer him a special. So he decided to get a hold of um, his friends and produce a special himself. Okay? Matt Riff. M-A-T-T-R-I-F-E. He has this, Matt Riff has a special on YouTube. He produced it himself. And it is full of anti-cancel culture. And this kid is like 25 years old. Only Fans. It's called the Only Fans Full Comedy Special. And only if you fans? listen, Only Fans, yeah. <laughs> if you listen to his special, it's full of anti-cancel culture um, very masculine kid, and it's funny. I recommend everybody to listen to that comedy. And I think eventually, I think he has a big future. Eventually, he's going to probably wind up on Netflix at some point. Okay. But, <clears throat> yeah. So, and I'm looking forward to the next Chris Rock because according to report, he signed a $40 million deal to produce two stand-up comedy. Right. Th this was so good. I don't know how he's going to top this one. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening in. Um, we're getting a lot of views on these shorts. I'm really, you know, thank you, Bob, for doing a good job. Uh, we might need to have Sean Law come back again since the recording wasn't that great, but we're getting a lot of views. I mean, I'm my YouTube feed, I start seeing the shorts coming through my YouTube feed. So mm -hmm. hopefully people that subscribe to our channel uh, also would get that. And uh, let me just see something real. I think as of yesterday, we have um, increased, since we started doing these shorts, we have increased our subscribers. You know, every day there are some new ones. So yeah. I know you have some more good shorts to put out. Um, and yeah, it's just been great. Thank you. All right. It's been a, been, been a fun conversation as usual. As usual, yeah.